Well, welcome. We are so glad that you're here with us for online service today. We're going to get to the message in just a minute, but we're going to go ahead now and pray for all the giving uh, that's happened during this last week. We know many of you that are a part of our online community. You've just been so faithful in uh, just sowing into the kingdom uh, through what God is doing at Grace and Peace. And so we uh, always want to make sure that we're thanking God for that, that we're letting you know how much thanks and appreciation uh, we have for you and being faithful and helping God's vision for this church to move forward. You know, in our giving, we are making impact right here in Tom's River, uh, as well as throughout our state, uh, in partnership with ministries around this nation and with missions works that are happening in nations around our world. So the vision of seeing God's kingdom advance is literally happening all over the planet. And it is such an encouragement to know that in all these places, all these spots, uh, uh, we are seeing God's kingdom advance. That means uh, salvation. That means hope, encouragement, healing, deliverance, uh, the advance of God's kingdom of light and the driving back of God's kingdom of darkness. So all that's happening through your faithful giving. So let's pray now and ask God to bless, continue to bless uh, the giving and the giver. So Father, here today, we are so grateful that we are your partners in the advance of your kingdom. And Lord, we're so encouraged to know that that's happening here in our backyard in all different places around our globe. And we pray that you would continue to have your way, that you would continue to be lifted up. God, we ask that there would continue to be lasting things that happen through the giving of our finance to your kingdom. And Lord, in that, as we continue to sow, we are so grateful that you meet the needs of your people. You said that you're our provider and that you're the God of more than enough. You're the God of breakthrough. So Lord, wherever that's needed, we believe you, we put our faith in you, and we trust you for it. And Lord, in all of this, it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, hey, uh, today we're getting into a brand new series that will be uh, going through and unpacking over the next couple of weeks. And it's called True followers. And just a reminder, if you uh, like to take notes along with the message, notes are available to you uh, at the next steps section uh, of graceandpeace.org. So you can grab those if you haven't grabbed them yet. Uh, so talking about true followers, you, you know, we want to acknowledge what does it mean to be a Christian from the Lord's perspective, from what is found in the word of God. Because in our nation, there is a Christian heritage, people, and even sad to say churches, can have Christian trappings and can be uh, having a lot of the conversation and a lot of, a lot of what seems Christian, but maybe not be truly walking out what the Lord said it is to be a follower of Christ. So we want to move away from not just thinking, well, I'm Christian in my background. I'm Christian because I go to church. But we want to be looking at being a Christian, a disciple of the resurrected living Savior. So, you know, we can be intimidated 
over the idea of getting radical for God. Because when we look at the call to discipleship, it's a radical call. You know, and in our modern culture that's just so filled with political correctness and, you know, all of the, the, the trappings that come with that, you know, we, we might be prone to think, well, well, hey, let's not overdo it or, hey, let's not get too radical for God. We could maybe get a little weird or whatever, you know, but there's no way around it. To be a follower of Jesus is, it's a radical decision and it's a radical commitment. But you want to know, it's in that position that we most experience what, what God has given to us uh, as, as his children and as Christians. It's only as we're completely abandoned to him do we really get to experience all of the wonder and awesomeness of what it is to be a Christian, a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. So let's talk about the beginning of the pathway of discipleship. And this pathway begins when a person becomes born again. And that's Bible terminology for what happens when we acknowledge a couple of key things in our lives. It's not just praying a prayer, a prayer of salvation. It's a conscious decision that includes, well, well, actually four specific ingredients. And I want to look at them really quickly right now because this is the foundation. This is the doorway into walking as a disciple of Christ. So number one, we become born again when a person realizes that they're sinful, lost, blind, and naked before God. Number two, when they acknowledge that they can't save themselves by good works, good character, by trying to be good enough. We can't be good enough. The Bible tells us we need a savior. Number three, when we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ died as our substitute on the cross. And then number four, when by a definite decision of faith, we acknowledge Jesus Christ as our only Lord and Savior. Those ingredients together uh, are, are this, this process, this choice, this step of becoming born again, becoming saved, becoming a Christian, becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. Jesus used the word born again because it's not simply just a decision that we make rather in our mind that we walk out throughout our lives. But literally the word of God tells us as we say yes to Christ and, and make him Lord and savior of our lives, that God comes to dwell, to make his habitation inside of us. My favorite verse in the New Testament is 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, they're a brand new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Brand new ownership of our lives is what happens when we make Jesus Lord and Savior. You know, I have a, a, an illustration, a story. Soon after a brand new house was occupied, it began to show the effects of the family's lifestyle. The yard became littered with trash. The lawn grew out of control and withered from the heat of the summer. The house itself was never cleaned or organized. It was always messy. You know, so you just drive by this house. It was a brand new house, right? And then, and, and, you, you know, you began to notice because of the occupants inside the house, it just got really crummy and run down. But eventually that family left and another moved in. 
they painted it, they replanted the yard, they cleaned the house inside and out. And needless to say, it soon looked like a very different place. And and again, why is that? Well, there was a dramatic impact on its appearance because its ownership had changed. So this pathway to discipleship, it starts with being born again by saying yes to Jesus. God, come live in my heart and Jesus be both Savior and Lord of my life. And he comes in to occupy this house and there's a change of ownership. And guess what? It's going to look different to the world around us. The world should see when we make Christ Lord and Savior of our our lives. We're not going to be perfect. We're not going to uh, live in a way where we never blow it or, or make a mistake or sin or anything like that. But people should be able to notice, man, there's something different that's gone on. Someone once said, no change, no Jesus. No Jesus, no change. That kind of encapsulates it, doesn't it? So, hey, before we move any further, let's just acknowledge. So what is a disciple anyway? Well, according to the dictionary, a discipler is a follower. So we're talking about, in this case, a follower of Jesus Christ, a pupil, one who accepts uh, and assists in spreading the doctrine of another. It's a convinced adherent to a school of thought or to the teachings of an individual. It's a, a disciplined follower. That's what a disciple is, an actual disciplined follower. So understanding that our first step is to make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of our lives. And then it's this commitment to walk with him, to walk after him all the days of our lives. So now let's, uh, you, you know, follow along in our notes. Hopefully you're following along. Let's look at then some of the, the requirements to be a disciple, to be a disciplined follower of Christ. So th- this is not an exhaustive list. This message is really an introduction into other things we'll unpack in the weeks to come. But let me just run through a couple of key requirements for us to be his disciples. Number one, we need to have a supreme love for Jesus Christ. Luke 14 and verse 26 says, if anyone comes to me, this is Jesus, if anyone comes to me and does not hate, now again, I'm going to explain that in in a second. This is a context statement. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and his children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be uh, my disciple. So in, in this portion of scripture, actually, I'm going to just read it from the new living now. And it's going to get into what Jesus is really saying here. He, he says this, if you want to be my disciples, you must by comparison, hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes. Even your own life. Otherwise you cannot be my disciple. So what is Jesus saying here? Because in other places he says that we are to love, that it's the highest command. We're to love God. We're to love our neighbor. We're to love the stranger. The word of God tells us that if, if we don't care for our family, that we are denying the faith. So is Jesus really saying here that we need to hate everybody else in order to love him supremely? No. What it's saying is we need to love him supremely. In other words, we're to love him above everyone and anything else in such a way that he's making this contrast. In the contrast between love and hate, there should be this dramatic contrast between our love for him and our love for anyone and anything else. If you want to know what what one of the greatest loves that we have to put down in order to love him supremely is self-love. 
It can be, and I'm talking about loving self in, a, in an idolatry way. Loving self in a way where, where what I want, what I need, what I look for, life is revolving around me and what makes me happy. The paradox is we love him first and we'll find true joy that's not based on things that we try to fill our lives with, right? So here's the thing. We, we, God asks us to give him everything, but in giving him everything, we find everything that really matters. So self-love can be a stubborn hindrance to discipleship. It's not until we're willing to lay down our very lives for him that we're in the place where he wants us to where we can truly find freedom. Again, it's another paradox. We, we surrender to his lordship so that we can fully experience the freedom that he has given us. All right, a second uh, characteristic that we'll look at here is a denial of self. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So a denial of self, it's not the same as self-denial. Self-denial means maybe giving up certain foods, pleasures, possessions, you know, for a season. Like a lot of times in Lenten time, we'll, we'll give up chocolate or we'll give up, you know, maybe we're fasting media or social media for a time, you know, that's self-denial. But denial of self means such complete submission to the Lordship of Christ that self has no rights or authority at all. It means that we step off of the throne of our heart and we invite Jesus to step onto the throne to reign in our lives. So it requires faith. It requires trust. It requires believing that under his lordship, we're going to have the greatest version of our lives that we could ever have than, than in any other circumstance where, you know, where, where we are on the throne calling the shots. All right, a third thing that we'll look at requirement of discipleship is a deliberate choosing of the cross. And it comes from the same verse. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross. So, hey, the cross, well, the cross was an instrument of death right? It, it's saying that I'm going it, to, it, it's leaning into what we said about supreme love for Christ, love for self. Uh, all of that stuff goes secondary. And literally the cross is saying that I am dying to anything that would be lordship in my life and I'm submitting myself to him. But there's also the, the acknowledgement, the cross symbolizes the shame the persecution, the abuse that the world heaped on to the Son of God and that the world will heap on to those who choose to go against the tide. Any believer can avoid the cross by simply being conformed to the world and its ways. You know, uh, David Livingston, Dr. David Livingston, he was a missionary and explorer in Africa. And there was a group of friends that wrote to him, he was one of the pioneers in African missions. I should mention that too. And a group of friends wrote to him saying, we'd love to send other men to you. Have you found a good road in your area yet? You know, that we can send these men to you. Dr. Livingston wrote back, if you have men who will only come, if they know that there's a good road, I don't want them. I want men who will come if there is no road at all. Livingston knew that he needed helpers who were willing to pay the price to follow Jesus. 
So there's, there's a brand of Christianity out there that sort of makes it come to Jesus and he will just be your genie in a bottle. He will just be, you know, your, your positive resource to help you obtain all that you want in life. You know, there's a brand out there that kind of leans into that side of things. And there is a truth that we have all of God's resources available, joy unspeakable. There are incredible privileges that come, right? When we say yes to God, we become his kids and all of God's wonderful promises. They're incredible and they're overwhelming. Paul said it this way, I want to know the power of the resurrection, but there's another side to it and the fellowship of your sufferings, Jesus. And that's taking up our cross. That's recognizing that there's going to be a shame that when the world is in wickedness and we stand for righteousness, there's going to be a shame. There's going to be a cost that comes as we lay our lives down. When we tell our flesh, I'm not going to do what you want. I'm going to do what the Lord wants. There's, there's a taking up the cross and we're encouraged in the word to take Take it up daily, which means we're just going to live every day just surrendered that we're not going to be moved by anything else but by his voice and his command. All right, a fourth requirement that we look at here is a life spent in following Christ. That, that's a requirement. So it's, this is a, a long game thing that we step into. You know, the, uh, you know, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a first step. I don't know if I messed up that quote, but that's what I'm thinking of here. That first step, we become born again. And then it's a lifetime of pursuing and following Christ. And again, uh, back to this verse that we're looking at here from Matthew. If anyone would come after me, let him deny him himself and take up his cross and follow me. So, so we, we don't want to follow his doctrines and teachings alone. We want to follow him because it's a relationship with him. And the life of Jesus was one of obedience to the will of the Father. He modeled that. We see that all through the Gospels in, in our New Testament. It was a life lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. It was a life lived of unselfish service to others. There was a mission about life that Jesus carried and that the disciples carried and modeled in the Gospels, in the book of Acts, and, and as we see in how we're called to live through all the rest of the instruction in our New Testament. And this life of Jesus, it it was a life of zeal. It was a life of pouring out. And then it was a life of the, the fruit of the spirit, self-control, meekness, kindness, faithfulness, devotion. In fact, we see in Galatians, it lists out the fruit of the spirit that should be being worked out in our lives throughout our lives as we follow Christ. Joy, love, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These should be things, if we think of the analogy of a tree, a tree in, in, in the, the season of, of, of har, our harvest that bears fruit and there's fruit and then there's another season where there's more fruit and then there's another season where there's more fruit. It shouldn't be that for a time in our lives there's fruit, but it should be for the long haul that we're walking with him. All right, a fervent love, this is number five, a fervent love for all who belong to Christ. That's something that's a requirement for us as disciples. In John 13, 35, uh, Jesus says this, by this, everyone will know that you are disciples, that you love one another. So God so loved the world, we need to love the world. But in particular, as disciples, we need to love God's people. We need to be those that love one another. Interesting that Jesus said this was the characteristic that was going to confirm to others that you're truly my disciple. 
So maybe, you know, we could look at it, hey, there's churchgoers, there's people who acknowledge themselves of a Christian persuasion, denomination, whatever it is, and then there's disciples of Jesus. How can we tell if somebody is one or the other? Well, we can look at their lives, and if they love one another, if they love God's people, if they love people, then we know that is a disciple of Jesus Christ. This is a love that esteems others before oneself. Uh, It's not a a conditional love. It's an unconditional love. It's a love that covers a multitude of sin. It's a love that that brings out the best in others. And we see it described for us in 1 Corinthians 13. I I go back to this verse often in my messages because, man, this this is the love of God that covers and conquers the world. Love is patient. This is verse four. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. The agape, that's the Greek word, agape, the God kind of love never fails. All right. Number six is an unswerving continuance in the word of God. That's another requirement. If we're going to be long haul, lifelong disciples for Jesus, we have to be people that are anchored in the word of God. And John eight thirty one says, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Now we're going to get into this in much more detail in a future message. So I, I won't get too much into that now, but just know anchored in the word, we have to be as disciples of Jesus. And then number seven, a forsaking of all to follow him. Now, now understand a forsaking of all from the perspective of my will versus God's will. It says this in Luke 14, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. So what, I, what I'm saying in, in explanation to, to help us clearly understand what the Lord is talking about here, the giving up of everything is making the decision from a priority perspective, I'm gonna pursue God's will for my life. You know, before I became a pastor, newly saved at 19 years of age, I wanted to fly airplanes and I wanted to fly airplanes in the Air Force. And I was, uh, as I met the Lord, I was in pursuit of that vocation. But I began to discover something as I got hungry for God and as I was pursuing God, I started to feel like that wasn't a fit. And yet I had such a love for, for wanting to go in that direction that I started finding myself getting in this little bit of tug of war. I would kind of cool off and distance from God when I was really, really going after the, the flying thing. And, uh, and yet when I started to notice, this was sort of happening without me really realizing it. And then when I started to, I just couldn't help but getting drawn back toward the Lord. And then I started to say, nah, there's something, I don't get it, but there's something about this that, that this isn't supposed to be my pathway and, and, and my career and my vocation for life. And then I started realizing that there was this call for ministry, for full-time vocational ministry. I didn't know it was pastoring at the time, but I was just working this all out as God was bringing me through this process of Luke 14, 33. All right, Jim, you want to be my disciple, but that's not my road for you. And you know what? I had to forsake that road in order to walk on the road that God had for me. And, and friends, it was a step of faith because I had to believe that God's road was going to be the most fulfilling road. That at the end of my life, when I'm standing before him someday, 
that I was gonna be so glad that I chose his path and not my path. And that can be a real wrestling. You know, again, we're going back to, is he Lord of our lives? Sure, we all want a savior, especially when we know we need saving. But along with savior, we can't get savior without Lord. But here's the good news. We can trust him with our lives and it is gonna be the best version of our lives that we could ever, ever ask for. And that's the place of faith that we have to get to. And that's what's being spoken about here, a forsaking of all to follow him and to go after him. All right, so just in the remaining couple of minutes here, I've given us here, we've talked about this pathway to discipleship. It starts as we're born again. We've talked about what a disciple is and just a handful of key requirements from the Lord for us to be his disciple. Let's talk about the need for true biblical discipleship. Man, do we need disciples in our church. Discipleship is not a program. It's not a series of classes. Uh, It's not um, a, a, a program that we go through. It is literally a lifelong walk following the master, walking with the master. And God's church was never meant to be anything that operated apart from this core truth and principle. So the need for true discipleship, again, this is in your notes. Number one, making disciples is not an option for for the Christian and for the church. It's a commandment. And we see that in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always. I am with you always to the very end of the age. Number two, discipleship, as, as I said a minute ago, is not a class. Discipleship is caught not taught. Now there's teaching in catching it, but we can't, we can't separate out this catching it side of it. First Corinthians 11, one, follow my example, Paul said, as I follow the example of Christ. Philippians 4, nine, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So notice how there's the, see what you learned from being with me, hanging around me, the example. You know, there's a verse in Thessalonians. uh, It's something to this effect where Paul says, we loved you so much that we didn't just share the gospel with you. We shared our very lives with you. Discipleship, it's caught as we get around others. And then the teaching happens in that environment. All right, number three, discipleship is a lifetime process of measured spiritual growth. So, hey, if you've been in the Lord for a while, if you've been in the church for a while, let me challenge you. Are you still growing? Are you still moving forward with the Lord? Second Peter 1 verses 5 and 8. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, and to your goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, you will keep 
from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's an ongoing spiritual growth that the Lord wants to see happen in our lives. Aren't you so glad? If it gets stale and it gets dry, it's not because we've used up walking with God. It's because we've let ourselves get stale and dry. There's more to grow. There's more to step into uh, all the way through until we one day see him face to face. So as we prepare to close this message here today, there's a couple of next steps that I want to invite you to consider uh, taking here today. So the first one is, let me ask a question. Have you made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life? If you have not at any specific defined time said yes to Jesus, then today is your day to make him Lord and Savior. Maybe you did that at some point in the past, but you're saying here today, man, if I was going to be honest, Jim, I'm backslidden. You know, I'm not walking as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been going to church. Maybe you've been watching online church faithfully, but you'd say, man, I'm not following him. I'm just kind of going through the motions. Well, why not make the, today the day that you rededicate your life to him, where you make this line in the sand. I am stepping over and I am returning to the Lord. He is Lord and savior of my life. I'm following him. I'm his disciple. Hey, let me ask this question. If you are saved, if you're born again, you've given your life to the Lord, have you been baptized in water yet? Did you know that water baptism is a step of obedience for everybody who has made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of their lives? And there's actually a water baptism service that's happening this Tuesday evening that you can be a part of. Uh, now, granted, if you're watching this after the date was released, it, it, there, there might be another one after that. But I just want to let you know, you can still get on. Uh, you have to just let us know today. And again, that's in our next steps. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. Okay, now in your notes, you saw some scriptures that were listed that, uh, that you could read on your own. That's another step you can take today uh, is to review um, the, those scriptures. Some of them we went through here today, but just looking at the cost of discipleship and just reflect on those scriptures with the Lord. That's another takeaway step. Another step is to review the requirements of discipleship. These requirements that we listed out that Jesus gave us. Hey, which of these needs some work in your life? And of those that need some work, what are you going to do about it? What step will you take to make sure that you're better walking out that area that the Lord has called you to? The costs of being discipleship. Uh, I had mentioned this, um, uh, but, but it, I got out of order what's on your notes. Are there any that you struggle with on those costs of being a disciple? Take them to the Lord in prayer this week. Bring it to the Lord. Lord, here's where I'm struggling, but I want to walk closer with you. I want to be a more authentic disciple. Hey, and then another thing you can do, it tells us in the word, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So we're going to try many weeks as part of our next steps to have a verse that you can memorize. And a great one for us to memorize today is Matthew 16, 24. So if you go over to the next steps section of our web platform, 
Each of these responses are going to be listed out for you. And several of them, uh, the, the salvation, the rededication, uh, water baptism, uh, each of those, there's things that you can fill out and that will let us know uh, as a church family uh, how we can connect with you. If you're giving your heart to the Lord today, we have some follow-up material that we'll send to you. If you're getting uh, water baptized, you want to get on with that, we'll contact you and let you know how you can get on with this one that's happening in just a few days or, or one that's happening in, in the future. We'll be having those times regularly. So let me close us in prayer today. Uh, I, I hope that your heart has been stirred. I know as I'm sharing here, my heart is so stirred. You know, the, the adventure of walking with God, of experiencing all that God has for us, it all happens in this context to say, Jesus, I surrender all to you. So let's pray as we close. Father, Lord, we thank you so much for sending Jesus. Lord, we thank you so much for your great love for the world that you sent Christ. And Jesus, it is our commitment, it is our desire to live as authentic disciples. And that's our choice that we're making here today. We want to do this for the long haul. So in our lifestyle, in all of our living, all of our choices, all that we do, we want to just grow more and more. We want it to be less of us and we want it to be more of you, Jesus. So cause fruit to come out of what we've heard here today. Cause our hearts to be challenged by your spirit today, God. Leave us not the same. And we pray all this in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. We're so glad that you joined us here today. We're cheering you on. Be blessed as you go.